When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're talking real money. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Friday edition of the Talking Real Money podcast. And if it's Friday, well, you know it's Q&A day. Yes, it is. And again, we have lots and lots and lots of questions that were recorded at TalkingRealMoney.com on the contact form using this amazing technology that actually makes for a pretty good-sounding Q&A show. So go to TalkingRealMoney.com, hit the contact form, and you can ask your questions of us, and we will answer them on a future podcast. So let's see. Is there anything I want to cover? No, not really. We'll cover lots of other stuff on the on the live show that airs on Saturdays on uh, Northwest News Radio in, in Seattle, which you can listen to online. Just uh, look for Northwest News Radio in Seattle or go to TalkingRealMoney.com, scroll down, and you'll see a live listen button there. You can also call us live on Saturdays from 3 to 5 Eastern, noon to 2 Pacific at 855-935-8255. And I want to get to questions because I've got a bunch of them here. So let's get started. Hello. I'm from Rhode Island, and um, my question is about my son. When he got his first job, they didn't offer any kind of 401k. So I signed him up for a uh, Vanguard Target Date Fund 2065 VLXVX. Um, and he's been doing that for a little while now. He maxes it out. But just recently, he got a job that does offer a 401k. We got him a raw 401k. And they match up to 6%, which I think is great. But I was looking to get him a small value because uh, from listening to Paul Merriman, I know he likes to tilt towards small value if you have a Target Date Fund. They don't offer that. So I signed him up for a large value. It's uh, VWNAX, the Windsor 2 Admiral Fund. And I was wondering if this would uh, give as much benefit as uh, the small value. I appreciate your response. Thank you very much. Great job getting him invested. Now, I'm going to assume, because you said something about the limit, that the target date 2065, I will definitely be dead by then, the <laughs> The, the target. That's such a sad thought. <laughs> okay, back to the show. Uh, it, that's that's terrific. Um, but here's what I do: reverse them, because the bulk of your portfolio you want in a really well diversified fund. And if that same fund, since they offer Vanguard with the employer, and yes, you want to max that out to the extent of the match. Absolutely. Past that, though, since they don't offer a small cap value, just get the small cap value either through a fund or an ETF in the IRA or the Roth IRA so that he has closer to the right diversification. He's overweighting slightly to small in value, but then the target date can be the bulk of his assets in that 401k. So I'd just switch them. Thanks for the call. Remember, you can send your calls in at TalkingRealMoney.com. You can also call them in at 855-935-TALK. And uh, 
Let's do another call. This is a listener from North Carolina. My wife is retired, and I will be in a couple of years. We have no debts and over $500,000 in an American fund diversified. My plan is only to take out the RMD when it's time. Should I move it to a lower fee institution or just go with it? We also have about 150 in other funds. Uh, also, we will only need the RMD to live off of when it's time. Uh, and that's my plan. What do you think? Well, those American funds are expensive. So um, I would move to something less expensive because you can go into like the Vanguard Total World Stock Index or the VT, which is the ETF, and pay hmm, like one-seventh of what you're paying now in fees. So it's a substantial reduction. And you can get great diversification using Vanguard or Fidelity or uh, whomever. What you want to do, though, make sure that you're not just dealing with one fund. Make sure you build the portfolio for your risk tolerance, even though you only need the RMD. You still don't want to panic out in a, in a really big downturn. So go to TalkingRealMoney.com, take the risk quiz, find out what your allocation is, and then take a look at our three funds from three groups, which is actually three funds from four groups because we have ETFs in there, and maybe build a portfolio that way at a much, 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 much lower cost. Or just use something like VT for the equity portion and BND for the bond portion if you're using ETFs through a Schwab or a Fidelity account, something like that. Good luck. Thanks for calling. Yes, I would go for a lower fee. Go to TalkingRealMoney.com. Just ask your question there or call us at 855-935-8255. Next. Good morning, Tom and Don. This is Gates calling from Alabama. My wife and I hope you're both well today. And we're very appreciative of your podcasts. They're very informative and educational and have been very helpful to us. Thank you for those and thank you for future podcasts. You've also been very helpful on previous phone calls regarding Roth conversions, donor advice funds, and uh, qualified charitable distributions. Today, our question is about beneficiaries. We do have a hodgepodgeitis, but in all of our retirement accounts, the spouse is listed as primary and our three children are listed, listed as secondary or contingent beneficiaries. On our joint non-retirement account at Fidelity, my wife is listed as primary on our children as contingent beneficiaries. Vanguard on our joint account, uh, they tell us that we cannot list beneficiaries until one of us succumbs, then the other will be joint a sole owner and they can list the beneficiaries. They're sympathetic to my comment that this throws the brokerage account into probate against our wishes should both of us come together or in very short order. Uh, Franklin Templeton tells us that since it's a joint account, we should list our children as primary, not contingent beneficiaries. So we're a little bit confused. If you could give us some comments and guidance on beneficiary designation, that would be great. Thanks so much for your time and your consideration. Have a great week. Well, I'm a little confused. Uh, generally speaking, on a joint account, you name, you don't name your spouse as a beneficiary because there's no need. The spouse is a co-owner of the account. So I don't understand why your wife would be a primary beneficiary on your joint account at Fidelity. It sounds like they did it wrong. Don't know. 
Uh, however, at Vanguard, you, I have, I've, I've had accounts at Vanguard, and you can add beneficiaries. You can absolutely add beneficiaries. I don't know why they're telling you that. That doesn't make any sense. Again, it would be joint, so your children would be primary beneficiaries, but there's all kinds of things you can do. As a matter of fact, I went online to see if there was a tutorial to show you how to do it on your own online, and darn if there isn't. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the address, I'm going to the web address. I'm going to repeat it twice, but you may have to rewind, which is nice. This isn't live. You can rewind. But there's a step-by-step guide to adding your children or whomever as beneficiaries to any kind of account at Vanguard, which I just don't understand. I mean, yes, of course you can add beneficiaries to your non-retirement account. You can add a POD, a payable on death or a transfer on death. Very confused. But just go to this tutorial page. It'll answer a lot of your questions. It's support.vanguard.com. That's the easy part, support.vanguard.com. Then you use that slash, front slash, tutorials, slash, add, dash, beneficiary. So it's support.vanguard.com slash tutorials slash add dash beneficiary. Beneficiary singular. Go there and follow the steps. It looks like you can do it online with your account without any hassle or headache. So best of luck getting that all straightened out. Thanks for calling. Or yeah, I guess it's still like a phone call. We're just going to call it a phone call. We call we we call films films, but there's no film. Do you know that in movie films there aren't there they're just not films. I mean, once in a blue moon somebody will go old old school, but all the movies you watch, they're videos. They're just high end videos. They're even projected with digital projectors. Rarely are there film projectors anymore. Old school. All right. Uh, well, we've still got many more calls, so we better get moving along. Let's go to the next one. Hey, fellas. I had a quick question about choosing ETFs. Uh, between your suggestions and Paul Merriman and various others, I see you choosing funds with higher expense ratios than, say, a Vanguard fund. What are the factors you're using to choose those funds? Is it just past performance, asset allocation, something else? Uh, I'd be curious to know. Thank you very much. Academic research. The answer is academic research. There is a huge body of evidence, really, really, really well-researched academic papers that show that a tilt to smaller company stocks and value stocks has in the past enhanced returns. It also means increasing risk. Now, I could accomplish that. We could accomplish that with uh, with some, using something like VT, which is seven basis points, seven one hundredths of one percent, and then add in some small cap value funds. That's one way to do it. Uh, but there are funds that do it, but it's a little bit more expensive to run a fund like that. Plus, they're a small group, which is we're talking about Avantis or uh, Dimensional, which is a bigger group. But the fees are going to be a little bit higher because the work involved is higher. They're just not blindly buying an index. They're following their asset class rules. 
the rules that pertain to that particular fund. They're not actively managing, and I hate that they get called active, but I think they are because people want to th- don't want to think that they're just buying an index for 23 basis points or a quarter of 1%. But the reason is the research. It shows that you should or you would have, not you should, you would have done better in the past if you overweighted small company stocks and value stocks. So that's why we think it may be worth it, although we're still big advocates of keeping costs as low as possible. As low as possible. But the returns, the extra returns have exceeded that, uh, you know, less than two-tenths of 1% difference. Have. Don't know about the future. But thanks for the question. It's a very good one. Again, your questions are invited all the time, 24-7. You can call 855-935-TALK, or you can simply go to TalkingRealMoney.com, click the contact form, and if you have a computer mic, which most people do these days, you can record your questions, or you can type them in. Let's get, how many more do we have? I think I have two more, so let's go to this one. Hi, Tom and Don. First, Thank you for your podcast and expanding my personal investment knowledge. I have a two-part question for you related to the recent Giving Lasting Gifts episode. I have a taxable investment account with the goal uh, being for my kids' adulting touch points, uh, education, um, you know, maybe a gift for their first house or another type of investment, making it more flexible than a 457 or a UTMA account. Um, aside from paying capital gains tax, are there other things that I should be mindful of using this gifting approach? I found that I really like splitting a two-part question in half so that I can answer one question, focus on that, and then move on to the next one. So that's just what I'm going to do right here. As far as gifting for those adulting points in life, uh, I think it's a great idea to help your kids when you can, particularly when they need it, and if you've got the means to do it. And you're right, you're going to have taxes when you liquidate a growth-oriented portfolio, and that's just part of the game. Is there anything else to be concerned about? There's just one. And it's not a real big concern. It's just sort of a pain in the neck. When you give someone a gift, you're supposed to file a gift tax return every time you do it. That doesn't mean you will pay a gift tax because there is a, a an annual gift per person exemption. But I don't even remember what that is now. I think it's like it's over way over 10,000. used to be 10,000. But that's just moot for most of us. Unless you plan to give a kid more than $2 million, $2 plus million, you're not going to owe any gift tax. There's a uh, there's an annual per person maximum, but in addition, there's that lifetime gift estate tax exemption. So you can basically give your estate away early and not have to pay any taxes. So. Uh, nothing to worry about there. Now on to the second part of your question. Um, second one is related to the asset allocation. That taxable account is split between um, all index investing, VT, and 30% small cap value between IJS and AVUV. 
another episode you had, uh, you introduced ADGE. Um, and I'm thinking about switching VT to ADGE and then maybe switching to just one small cap value index and that being AVUV. What should I watch for or watch out for to be compliant with the wash sale rule, especially regarding the term substantially identical? Um, thanks for your time and looking forward to your response. Well, first, I don't know that I would do anything because you're going to create a taxable event of some sort, but it may be a good taxable event because you mentioned the wash sale rule. So um, if you do sell VT and put that money into AVGE, you really don't need the AVUV anymore. You just have, you could just have the one fund because that's going to give you a nice small cap tilt. Makes life a lot easier. And if you were to move VT into AVGE, the all market fund, there would be no wash sale problem. You could sell VT and immediately buy AVGE because they are not substantially identical. They're, they're not. Their portfolios are quite different. There's a, a, whole, a hugely different tilt. Same thing would apply if you went from AVUV, also sold that and went into AVGE. And if you have a taxable loss, that might be a smart move. It really might. So, no, don't worry about it. They, if you went from a total market index into another total market index, that very well, well, will cause the wash sale rule to apply. But this is not the same. They're not, they're not apples. They're like apples and pears. I don't know which one's the pear, but it's, they're both nice. And now, ladies and gentlemen, to end today's exciting edition of Talking Real Money, we have this. Hey, Don and Tom. Just wanted to send you a message. I just heard your podcast about Meet Kevin. And I wanted to send you another YouTuber to check out called Clear Value Tax. He actually does a lot of great news segments, but he also tries to predict the future. I just wanted your input. Love the show. Well, until you called, I had no idea who this guy was. And the, the name is really strange. Clear Value Tax? Well, here's like my thing is that I, the first one I listened to was this one. I want to tell you how you can take advantage of the 2023 recession. So next year, we're going to see the bottom of the stock market crash and the crypto crash. So the concept, it's very simple. It's called disaster capitalism. When stocks and cryptos crash, that is the perfect time to buy. You buy low and you sell high. Well, right off the bat, there's, there's one of my biggest issues with the guy. He acts as if things are certain, that he knows things. In fact, he even goes on to tell you that the biggest lie people tell you is that you can't time the market. When, in fact... He has no empirical evidence that anyone, anywhere, anytime has accurately predicted or timed the market consistently. The only people who have timed the market accurately and consistently for a period of time are more likely lucky than smart. Now, this guy's name is, what was his name again? I forgot. Brian. Brian is a CPA. That's his 
knowledge. Well, good. He knows taxes. Good for him. I'm sure he's a brilliant CPA. He's also a 30-something, which means he's incredibly naive when it comes to the stock market and the crypto market and any market. And his claim to fame is that he predicted that the crypto market would fall. Uh, really, Brian? Almost anybody with half a brain could figure out that the crypto market was going to fall. And all of us who have been doing this for decades know that the stock market falls. And we also know that when it falls, or when it has been falling, that's a better time to buy than when it's rising. It's just that you don't know which is which. So you pretty much just need to buy all the time as you earn money. Uh, will there be a bell rung sometime in 2023 when you claim this will all turn around? Will there be this magical bell that tells everybody what to do? No. You are claiming to be that magical bell, and you are doing so to improve your position, which is fine. That's capitalism. But I think that I think he's full of it. I really do. I think he's totally full of it. I wouldn't watch him for more than about, well, I watched him for just a few minutes and went, well, this is stupid. It's all market timing, which means by definition, according to all the academic research, all of it, all of it, all of it is not possible. There is not a shred of evidence showing that anybody has the the ability to time the market. Now, sometimes people make big bets on the market and win, big hedge funds and the like. But overall, it's so, it's so funny. Overall, in aggregate, hedge funds have been outperformed by just the market. So all of these winners, they're mere anecdotes. Anecdotes. We have got to quit attributing anecdotal information as evidence. Because it's not. It's an anecdote. Well, my friend did this. Good for your friend. Did you? No. Oh, anyway, no, I wouldn't watch him uh, ever again. I'm, that's, that's all I'm going to watch. That's the extent of it. And I think most of these young YouTube gurus are all full of garbage. Really. I could say worse. This is a podcast. They're all full of S-H asterisk T. They are. Absolutely. And you don't have to tell your children what that is. Just say it's poop. Um, <laughs> they'll know what that is. Okay. Well, then I've done it. That was a good way to end. I'm going to end it. <laughs> and I'm going to probably make some people mad. But I'm sure I made the Tom and I made the Meet Kevin people mad too, and Meet Kevin is full of the same stuff. Or as the British say, shite. All right then. Thank you so much for being here. And uh, by the way, if you'd like a little help with your money, you can always talk with one of our advisors, and it's free. It's easy, and there's no obligation and no sales pitch. I know, hard to believe, right? But there isn't. Just go to TalkingRealMoney.com and click on Meet an Advisor, or call 800-386-3004. You can even meet with Tom, and I swear to you, he's never, ever tried to sell anyone on being a client. We don't do that. Why? We're doing fine. We're not greedy, like some of these people. Okay, got to go. Got a show tomorrow where Tom and I will be live. <laughs> 
from 3 to 5 Eastern, noon to 2 Pacific, Talking Real Money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for informational, educational, and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately and consistently predict the future, so past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Appella Capital, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. That should keep the lawyers happy.